Acts chapter 1. We are going to finish this chapter today, Lord willing. Or let's pray that we go home. That'd be even better, right? I'll be like, and Jesus said, and Jesus would be like, stop, you're done. Come on. I'd be like, woo! So you guys, last week, we looked at how the disciples had been obedient to do exactly what Jesus had told them to do. If you guys remember last week, what did Jesus say as he was rising up? He was giving them blessing, we read in the book of Luke, but we also read that he was like, hey man, wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait, go and wait. Seek out and wait for me in Jerusalem. And so they went from the Mount of Olives and they did just that. They waited for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon them that was promised to them. And we talked a lot about the fact that nothing has changed today, you guys. Nothing, right? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Can we all agree on that? If you don't agree, well, that does not line up with the theology that I see scripturally at all, and it's definitely not our theology. We believe that he is the third person of the Trinity. He is equal. He's God. The same as God is God. The same as Jesus is God, right? What does that mean? Well, that means we can apply the same things that we apply to God. Obviously, we can apply that to the Holy Spirit, logically, right? And so he is the same forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. He's, he doesn't change. Personally, it's why I struggle so much when people are cessationists or they believe that, like, well, the Holy Spirit did this here and then he didn't do it anymore. Listen, do you realize that Jesus or that God, some people say that about God, like, well, he required sacrifice and then he didn't. Is that true? No, it's not because he did always require sacrifice. He still does. It's the sacrifice that was paid for by Jesus. So it was animal, 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 imperfect animal that you're never going to have a full, complete, sacrificial like end to it all. And then there was Jesus. And he was that final sacrifice. But can I also say, guess what? God still requires sacrifice. From who? You and me. Sacrificing ourselves and saying, man, Lord, you're more important than my own way. So I don't think God ever changes. And I think what God's laid out in the Old Testament is still just as true today. It might have changed flavors, but it's still the same thing. Does that make sense? It's the same with the Holy Spirit, you guys. He is God. He doesn't change. The spirit is the same. And so that same power that Jesus told the disciples to wait on, I I firmly believe he's asking us to wait upon. And I think one of the biggest reasons that the church is so anemic is because none of us do. Well, I shouldn't say that. A good portion of us don't wait on it, right? We're like, well, that's weird. Mm Mm-hmm. It is. We talked about that last week. So let's pray, you guys, and we're going to jump in to verse 15. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I pray now as we dig into it, God, and as we begin to kind of, or should I say, Lord, continue the conversation through the book of Acts, Father, would you open our hearts to the things that you have for us to hear and to understand? God, would you work in us? Lord, would you get me out of the way, Father? No one ever wants to hear my opinion on something. God, we need you to give us what your word is meant to be, Lord God. And Father, there are plenty of learned people, Lord God, and and there are plenty of things that people can go look at, Father, and all those other things. But I'm praying here and now, Holy Spirit, would you meet us? Holy Spirit, would you speak the word that you want spoken through this foolish man to this congregation, specifically for us here and now, God? We thank you that your word is alive and, Lord, that it cuts down 
right down to the bone, God. It gets down to where it needs to be. So, Father, we're trusting that that's exactly what your word is going to do today, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So, ready? Verse 15 of chapter 1 in the book of Acts. It says this, you guys. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120 and said, we're going to stop there. Cliffhanger. It says in those days. What does that mean? Well, in the Greek, it just means this. It's a general term. Luke was basically saying, generally a few days after or a couple days after, I'm not trying to put a time frame on it because Luke didn't. In some time after that, right? In a few days after that, this is what happened. Peter was there with all of the brothers and the sisters, right? We know that there were more than just that. We learned that last week, remember? Verse 14, all those with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So there was more than just the brothers, but remember the culture that we live in. Also remember that if I say, hey guys, here today, that none of the women should be like, I can't believe you. You just don't minister to me. Dude, you're guys too in this context. Sorry. Guys in a very proverbial sense. And I feel like that's kind of what he, Luke was getting at. He was like, he stood up and he said to the brothers, hey, this, I want to say something to us. And I, I stopped here for a reason. This verse has kind of been used along with some other stuff to get to something here. We know that it's not new or original that Peter was a spokesman within the disciples group. Would we all agree with that, right? Most of the time we see Peter being the one that's stepping up and saying whatever he's going to say to Jesus, which is also why we know Peter was also the one that most of the time put his foot in his mouth. Usually if you're the one that talks the most, you put your foot in your mouth. I know that well, right? And so that's the way it typically was. So we know Peter was already a leader amongst this group. He was already a leader here. But I have an important point to make here, you guys. Many have turned this leadership position that Peter took and made it into something more. And I feel like it was important to bring this up. And I prayed a lot about this because I was like, man, I'm not here to just start dogging on certain groups. It's not my heart. But I also feel like, man, when theology has become so wacky, when things have become wacky and they have in certain groups, it's worth mentioning to try to keep it where it needs to be, you guys. If you know anything about Calvary Chapel, there's a phrase that's said, right? And that is this, teach the word and let it simply teach us. Teach the word and let it simply teach us. We don't get complicated. We have some very smart people in this room, and sometimes I think they get so down in a rabbit hole that they don't really know what they're talking about anymore. They've lost the narrative of what's being said. God bless you, right? We have some very people that are like, man, I don't know what's up. And, I, and they're, they're so afraid of the Bible that I'm like, it's, read it. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you. Guess what? There's a song by this guy, Gable Price. That's the guy that sings that song, Touch Your Robe, that we did today. And there's a song that he sings. He says, what if we get to heaven and realize we were both wrong? And I think that's true. I think we're going to get to heaven and all of our really strongly held thoughts on what we see scripturally we're going to be like, ah, I kind of missed it on that one, but I totally had that one right. And other people are going to be like, oh man, I missed it on that one, right? I think that's going to be true. Why? This word is living. This word is God's word. God is far above. So there's a level of the word that we're never going to get to the bottom of it, ever. And yet at the same time, the best and only thing we can ever do as Christians is continue to dive into it. 
and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to bring out those things in his word that he wants us to understand. But can I just encourage you guys? I had a very strongly held belief about this particular passage we're studying today that God just wrecked this week. I love that. I love it. Why? Because I never want to put my intellect above what God wants to show me. And I never want to be so afraid that I am not going to know something that I'm too afraid to jump into it and try to learn more. Do you get both where both sides are full of pride? And so, yeah, I went through college and it was taught to me a certain way. And I was like, well, that makes a lot of sense. And I like that. And I was like, yeah, that makes us, I just got that. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And then I started digging through to study this week. And I'm like, I don't know if this lines up. I don't know if I can keep holding this position anymore. So, we're going to talk a little bit about this, but here's the point I want to make about this leadership identity that Peter has taken here. We've already made the fact that Peter was already a leader within this group. And the fact is, is that some people want to couple this immediate moment of leadership and then the one we're going to see next week, which is even bigger when he's the one that stands up and explains to the group that's outside the window, hey man, these aren't tongues that you're hearing that are, you know, we're not drunk. We're going to talk about that next week. They want to take that and they want to couple it with when Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. You guys know that Jesus was witty? Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Like, read parables, man. He was full of wit, right? He wasn't a stupid man. He was very intelligent. Do you guys know what Petra means? That's right. If you guys are an 80s rock band f- yeah. fan like me, <laughs> then you know Petra means rock. They have an album called that. (laughs) Petros, Peter, (laughs) means rock. Jesus was saying, hey, rock, upon you, I'm going to build the church. Now, what does that mean? There's a lot of meaning there. There's a lot of meaning there. I'm I'm not minimizing the meaning, but they've got some groups, specifically, you guys, two groups, and I'm probably going to tick some people off. You ready? Catholic Church. Catholic Church has grabbed a hold of this idea of Peter and turned it into this idea that Peter was the first pope. It's nowhere. If anybody was going to be the pope based on their concept of pope, it would have been Paul. I mean, really, Paul was the one that was ministering to the Gentile. Paul was the one that like, really had this massive impact all over the place. Peter, generally, according to church history, sort of just stuck around his little area. And yes, people respected him. And yes, he was, a, he was an apostle and God used him mightily. I'm not acting or minimizing Peter. What I'm saying is we don't get from the fact that Jesus was being a little witty and saying, upon this rock, rock, I'm going to build the church and then grab a hold and make this huge theology. We cannot allow tradition, you guys, to override God's word. And it happens a lot. And by the way, Protestants were just as guilty of it at times. 1611 King James only. (laughs) If it was good enough for the Apostle Paul, Paul was dead, bro. (laughs) Right? So we're we're just as guilty of this. So please hear me. I'm not dogging out, but I'm trying to point out, you guys, the Catholic Church tries to grab onto this, and where that takes us is this. They also hold to this idea that that was some, like, spiritually divinely ordained thing that was upon Peter so that each and every pope after that is the vicar of Christ. What does vicar mean, you guys? Supreme authority of Christ. That gets really, really screwy if you study church history at all 
and you get into the Borgia, this is stuff I love. You guys, the Borgia bought the popery. There were like two or three popes in a row that were either bought or murdered their way to. I don't believe that they were the vicar of Christ. You know who I think is the vicar? Nobody, because I think Christ is the supreme authority. Amen? Amen. So I want to just kind of clear that up right here. And yes, I know I might offend people. If you guys are offended, come talk to me later. Not today, though. Let's make it a different day. (laughs) (laughs) We also have another group, I call it, you guys, Mormonism. So Joseph Smith took a lot of this stuff and then mixed in a little bit of what he saw from the Catholic Church and was like, I'm going to make this hodgepodge and write this new thing, right, that has so many screwed up things in it, like an angel that he's bowing down to, which if we read the book of Revelation, no one will ever bow down to an angel. And by the way, they won't let you, right? They yelled at John like, get up, stop bowing down to me, you idiot. I'm just like you. He didn't say idiot. But you get my point? Like that, so there's a lot of things already that should just put a red flag in your face. But here's the other thing they do, you guys. They believe, Joseph Smith believed, that he was the vicar. They have a quorum of 12, even today. The president, the quorum of 12 itself are supposed to represent each disciple, the 12 disciples. I don't know who Judas is. The 12 apostles, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the 12 apostles, you guys. But guess what? They're second in power only to the president. And who's the president? Peter. He's the vicar within the Mormon church. You guys, we get really screwy if we start making more out of this than there is. Right? So let's not forget, Peter was already a leader. Many scholars believe the reason he was usually probably the leader was because he was probably the eldest of all the disciples, right? And so as the eldest, he was obviously the one that all the younger guys were going to look at and be like, hey, all right, man, tell me what's up. You know, this is what we think. Pete, get on it, right? Furthermore, Jesus said some other things about Peter too that I think are worth mentioning. He called him Satan. Remember that? He also asked him why he had so little faith. And then you remember after Peter denied Jesus that he he had to ask him three different times, do you love me? Do you understand why I don't have a hard time looking at Peter and thinking, yeah, Peter, you're just as screwed up as the rest of us. You're not special. By the way, if you look at me and think anything close to that either, you're wrong. Stop it. I'm a human. I'm going to let you down. Lord willing, I'm not going to do it often. (laughs) I'm going to try my best to walk it out and shepherd you guys well. But we should never put anybody on a pedestal, man, except Christ himself. He's the one that deserves that spot. Amen? So all of these are vitally important things, I believe, that God to what I I think God wants to show us today. So Peter was just a stupid human, and he did stupid human things, and God used him to lead others. He wasn't more special. He was just a man that was trying to follow God, you guys, nothing more, nothing less. And I feel like that is a thing that I want us to keep in mind as we continue on and look at what Peter said. And so let's keep reading. Verse 16, it says this, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in the ministry. And you'll notice in my Bible anyway, it's a parenthetical statement. So this is Luke giving us some insight, right, about Judas. And Luke says this, Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. (laughs) 
And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, El Kaldama, that is, field of blood. For it is written, and this is again, this now is going back to what uh, Peter was actually saying. For it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it and let another take his office. So you guys, Peter put forth this idea. He feels as though in his own heart, as they're, remember what they're doing, they're praying in one accord, asking God, would you bring the Holy Spirit? Would you do this? It seems obvious they're also looking in his word, good place to go. When you're trying to figure out and discern what God's will is, that's the very perfect place to go. Pray and read, right? And so they're there together and they're doing that. And the, I, can't, I need you to hear this. Did the Holy Spirit put this on his heart? No, the Holy Spirit hasn't fallen yet. Now, in the Old Testament, we do read spots where the Holy Spirit fell upon certain, you know, Jeremiah at times, or Ezekiel at times, or even David at times, it talks about these things. But that was like a special occasion, and then the Holy Spirit would just go back because the Holy Spirit had not arrived on the scene at that point in time. But we don't read here that the Holy Spirit had fallen. So what is he basing all this on? Well, we're going to talk about that. But I need to say what I think it isn't. First off, what did he feel? He felt like there was a need to appoint a person to take the spot that Judas had. And this wasn't some just emotional response for the need for a 12th man, right? This wasn't a football stadium. You guys get that? No? Okay. There wasn't some emotional need like, man, we're not whole anymore. We need another person. That wasn't the point of this. Do you know I know this? What did it say here? Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David. He's sitting there and he's like, I'm reading this. I'm trying to get a hold of like what God has for us. And I feel like something's off here. I feel like there's something going on. But this wasn't just like, man, that Judas guy, what a jerk. I can't believe it. There was a difference here. This isn't something emotional. And it also wasn't logical. Do you understand? This wasn't some logical thing that was just based in human reasoning. You know, like God had chosen us 12 during the time of Jesus. And now Peter's like, well, I mean, so if Jesus chose 12 of us and now there's one missing, we can't do his will. Is that the deal? Like, we, like what's that about? And so we need to No, It wasn't logical. He wasn't trying to come to a logical position in his mind. I need you to hear that. It wasn't logical and it wasn't emotional. What was it based in? Scripture. Prayer and scripture, as best as he could figure it out. You guys, these two passages that he quotes here in verse 20, the first one, may his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it. That comes from Psalm 69, 25, for you note takers. And then the second one, let another take his office, comes from Psalm 109, 8. They're both these imprecatory psalms by David. And if you guys don't know what imprecatory means, it basically means this. These are psalms where David's like, God punched their stinking teeth out. End them. I don't want them in my life anymore. Will you just take them away? They're causing me all this trouble. And at the end of every imprecatory psalm, you know where David ends it? Oh, but Lord, have your way. It's pretty beautiful when you read them. So if you're here today and you're like, man, sometimes I just want to get really angry at someone, pray about it. Because if you're like David, you know where you're going to end up? Oh, God, I'm a sinner too. So yeah, I'm not happy with them, but would you help me too? 
That's where he gets this. And it seemed obvious that here's Peter. It seems obvious to me anyway, that here's Peter seeking God along with these other 120 people. And they're reading the scrolls. They're trying to understand, God, what is it? What, what is this? God, the whole Old Testament is open to me in a different way, right? They wouldn't have said that. They would have just said, the scriptures are open to me in a different way, right? Jesus, you, 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 you made sense of Isaiah. Jesus, you, you blew our minds in the book of Psalms. Like, man, Psalm 51, Psalm, all these Psalms that we read now, they make a lot more sense. And so here he is, and he's reading these, and he comes to this, these places, and he's like, man, What did David mean by that? Who is he talking about there, God? What does all this mean? And his conclusion, as best as he could understand what David was getting at, he's like, I, I think that David was prophesying about Judas, even though he didn't mention the name of Judas. And so he was doing his best with this. Now, are there times when it's painfully obvious? Yeah. Do you think it was hard for Daniel to take the scroll of Isaiah to King Cyrus and be like, yo, dude, your name's here. Like hundreds of years before you were born, brother. <laughs> Here's your name. If you don't know where that is, it's Isaiah 44, 28. Go read it. It'll blow your mind. The fact is, is that God can choose to do it however he chooses to do it. But the fact is, for Peter, he read Psalms. He got to a place in his heart where he's like, I think there's supposed to be another person to take this office. Not because Judas died. I need you to hear this. But why? He said it here, you guys. He said that, that Judas had a hand. He was numbered among, in verse 17, us, and allotted his share in the ministry. What did Jesus promise the 12? Yo, you're going to be with me in heaven. Like, that's the thing. Like, you're going to have a ministry here. Think about this. When we get to Revelation and we read there, when John was writing, do you think John even was like, dude, is it going to be Matthias or is it going to be Paul that ends up on the pillar of the New Jerusalem? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? The 12 apostles are each going to have a pillar in the New Jerusalem and their name's going to be written upon it. Who's it going to be? I would say who cares, really, at the end of the day. I almost hope it's Matthias because I think Paul would be more happy with that, personally. Right? Because what did Paul say about himself? Man, I'm a man born out of time. I didn't get the privilege of walking with Jesus all this time. I was too busy being against him. But, but the point is, who cares? Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm getting down a rabbit hole. Let's talk about this. There's a lot of facets to all this that I want to talk about. First, Peter sees through Scripture that Judas had not screwed up and foiled God's plan, but instead that he had fulfilled God's plan. I think we could sit here and just make an entire message out of that. You are not that cool that you can screw up God's plan. Now, I need to say something. God is sovereign, right? So do you actually think you're that powerful? You're not. The cool part is in God's sovereignty, he's merciful and gracious, and so he invites us in to take part in the plan that he has. That's awesome. But guess what? If you refuse, if you refuse, guess what? He's going to find some other way. He's going to find another person. And the reality is you just missed out. That's all. Church, I think we're guilty of that a lot of times. I don't know. I'm just really busy. Well, deal with it. Do it anyway. Watch what God does for you. Watch how he strengthens you. Watch how he moves in your heart. Watch what blessing comes out of that. What about this? I'm going to mess it up. Again, do you really think you're that powerful? You're not. 
But even if you do, even if you do mess it up, do you understand that God, he says in his word, and I hold tightly onto this, that he works all things together for good. Even me screwing it up. Even me saying the thing I shouldn't have said. He'll do the same for you guys. He did the same in Peter's life. You guys, he's going to accomplish his will, no matter if you refuse or if you mess it up. God's bigger than you. Don't be so arrogant. Now, I got to say this. If you're here today and you honestly don't believe that that's actually true, if you don't think that God is bigger than your own stuff, well, then I think you're a little bit blind because you see it on full display up here all the time. (laughs) God is awesome in spite of my stupidity. God is awesome in spite of my mouth. God is awesome and amazing and says something through his word in spite of me. That is how I feel every week when I go home, and I'm so blessed by that. And so, man, get a hold of that in your own hearts because I think it begins to change what we've been talking about, which is what? Being open to the Holy Spirit and ready to move. It's awesome, isn't it? To be able to look at God and be like, you're awesome, I'm going to do it. Let's go. And then you trip right out of the gate. And he's like, it's okay, get up, come on. (laughs) Second, you guys, the second thing we see in this passage of, of Scripture that we see of what Peter is trying to get at is this, and we see it through Luke. We get a clearer picture of history of how and where Judas died. You guys remember that the 30 pieces of silver that Judas had been paid, do you guys remember what he did with it? He saw that it wasn't going to happen the way he thought it was going to happen with Jesus, right? Because he was basically trying to paint Jesus into a corner, essentially, expecting Jesus to be like, and like take Rome out. And when he didn't, he was like, what is happening? And so he took his 30 pieces of silver, and what did he do? He threw it back in their face. He's like, I don't want this. Like, let him go. He's an innocent man. Remember that? He never repented, though. We can feel very badly about things and still not repent. And what does God require of our hearts? Repentance. Stopping what we're doing and turning around and going to God and be like, oh, Lord, you know my heart and how jacked up it is. So he didn't repent, but he, he threw that out to them, threw it back at the religious leaders, and the leaders walking around in their hypocrisy, because who had paid Judas those 30 pieces of silver? The religious leaders, right? Where did those 30 pieces of silver come from? The treasury. It would be like me putting a hit out on Bob. Wow. <laughs> I'm paying Steve. <laughs> You're going to do my dirty work, bro. <laughs> this is the hypocrisy of it. And then paying that with y'all's tithe money and saying, Steve, go ahead and do this. And then Steve comes back, and he's like, dude, that's not right. I can't believe I just did that, man. I didn't, I didn't kill the guy, but I maimed him, right? And I hurt him, and now I don't want to do this anymore. That was wrong. I can't believe you told me to do that. And then he throws the money back to me, and I'm like, this is tainted money. <laughs> really? <laughs> that's what the religious leaders did. By the way, Bob, I love you. You better not die <laughs> at all. <laughs> love you, dude. Everybody be like, he died? Hmm. <laughs> Steve, you're going down. <laughs> a 
These leaders, man, their hypocrisy was this. They're like, this money can't end up back in the treasury. It's blood money that you paid, dude. Why do they do that? Because, again, they didn't want to repent either and own their own mistake. You see it? So what did they do? They took these 30 pieces of silver, and they went and bought a field, right? And they bought this field for people to be buried there that were too poor to have a burial area, that they could just get buried there in that field. That's right, the potter's field. And so the reality is, you guys, is that some people like to take this, and they're like, oh, look, there's a mistake in the Bible. Have you guys ever heard of that in this one? Luke tells us in Acts that Judas bought the field. Elsewhere, we read in the Gospels that the religious leaders bought the field. Whose money, or let me say it this way, in the scenario where Bob gets whacked, (laughs) who is responsible if I go buy a new building with the money that I gave to Steve? If I said that I bought it, did I? Yeah, if I said Steve bought it, did Steve? You could say yes, right? Let me, let me rephrase it a different way. We just bought a bunch of things to deaden the sound of the drums. I hope it blessed you guys today. We spent some money on that. That was money that we spent. We just had a board meeting. I told the board I bought these things. Did I buy these things? No, you did. Who bought it? Are you guys going to call me out for call me a liar? That's what the people try to do with the Bible. Like they lose their common sense. They gave the money to Judas. Judas gave back the money. Who bought the field? Yes. (laughs) Who cares? Do you understand? Man, sometimes you got to think through logically with people and be like, you guys, really? So yeah, don't let people get on you about that. Okay. Thirdly, and the last thing I think we see in this, and this is the thing that I kind of want to sit on the most, and that is this. We see that Peter was doing his best, along with everyone else that was there, to do his best to try to understand, and not just understand God's word, but to take it one step further and trust God's word. To not just understand his word, but to trust his word. To say, David said this, and... I think he's talking about Judas. I think that's what he was talking about. So I think, I think from this, we need to trust it and, and figure it out. And I think we need to hear this, you guys. Because too often today, we've divorced our walk with the Lord from the word. We see it over and over again. People that get so emotional and so much in their way of like, the Holy Spirit said this. No, he didn't. It goes against the word entirely. So he did not say that. God is not going to speak against his own word. If he does, we would all cease to exist. Do you understand? God is sovereign. He knows what he said, and he said what he meant. And so the Holy Spirit's not going to tell you something different. So we have people that have divorced their walk with God from his word, you guys. We see it all the time. Listen, the Holy Spirit is our guide, but he is always and only going to say what God has already declared. Now, just like we see here with Peter... He might take something that you hear in the Old Testament, and he might speak to you very specifically through it, but it will be in line with his word. Does that make sense? Now, the reality is there's no new revelation from the Holy Spirit. Everything he says will never contradict what God has already given us. Peter was doing his best to seek out what God's will for them in that moment was in the Scripture. 
The other thing I want to say is that we tend to seek out Christian advice first, don't we? In the abundance of counselors, there's wisdom. That is absolutely true. But do you know where the first wisdom is found? In his word. Go there first. I tend to love to go to my friends, my brothers in the Lord that I really trust, right? My board members that I come to, and I'm like, man, I I don't know what to do here. And then I'm like, you know, God's been showing me this in the word, and I don't know if exactly what he's trying to get at. Maybe he's trying to say this. Do you think that's what he's trying? Do you understand the difference? I'm going to his word, and I'm bringing that to my Christian brothers to help me pray and chew upon it and, and try to figure out what is God saying. We've divorced it. We've gone to Christian advice first. The other thing we do is we try to apply human sense to every situation. Human common sense, which is not very common. And I think the reason we do that, you guys, often, sometimes, is because we feel like we're not getting an answer. Think about how we react in church today. How would we handle if Jesus said, hey, sit here and wait? Sit here and wait. I've got an answer for you. It's coming. Wait for it. How full do you think this place would be after three days? Assuming that the church kept paying and bringing in food and water. I think a lot of people get tired of waiting. We have a McDonald's culture. Fast food. We want our answer and we want it now. And we want it our way. Man. The reality is, you guys, human common sense, to be honest, is honestly not usually in line with God's will. Not, it's not always not in line. Does that make any sense what I'm saying? In other words, sometimes common sense is exactly what God wants, but I will tell you this. If I followed common sense, I would still live in, Ohio, in Idaho with my wonderful hot tub and my beautiful deck and my yard that I had spent thousands of dollars to make a plush green carpet. That's where I would be if I followed human sense. It made no sense when God said what to do. I find most often in my own life that what God's telling me to do flies in the very face of what makes sense. And yet it's the thing that we in the church, and specifically here in New England, tend to go to first. And I just got to tell you, man, stop it. Stop. We miss out on the best thing. The number one thing, the number one way that God has chosen to speak to us for thousands of years through his word, through his word. Listen, any good Christian advice that you will ever receive will take you to his word. Not only will it take you to the word, it's going to line up to the word. And as we grow in our relationship with God, you guys, Like I said before, we see often that human reason is so entirely backwards to the will of God in our lives, so often. Let's keep reading. Verse 21 says this. This is Peter. He's continuing to kind of give what he believes is kind of like, you know, the snapshot of who this person should be. He says this. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us. One of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph 
called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice and Jimmy and Johnny. (laughs) Just kidding. Who was also called Justice and this second guy named Matthias. Verse 24 says, And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who knows the heart of all, show which one of these you two have chosen, which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. So Peter doesn't, I just need you to hear this. He doesn't believe that this is something that just needs to be done because Judas died. We talked about that, right? He was saying it needed to be done because there was an office space left. I need you to hear that. Some people here are like, well, the pastor must be really special. The pastor must have this thing. I don't know what that means. Does he have a degree? A lot of Calvary Chapel people don't. I happen to, but I'm just one of the anomalies here in Calvary Chapel. Do you know what the calling comes from? Christ. The calling comes from Christ, and you either fulfill the calling or you don't. And if you don't, I find you're miserable until you start doing what God's called you to do. Not everyone's called to that, you guys. Matthias, Barsabbas, those two guys had followed from the baptism of John the Baptist all the way through to the end, and they weren't there being like, but I wanted to be one of the 12. No, they just did their thing because that was not the calling God had put on their life. Jesus had not called them directly to do that, but yet they followed Jesus anyway. Do you understand? Judas had willingly left and given up on everything. And here's this person. And I need you to hear this. Where did these qualifications come from? Do we read anywhere that Peter was like, well, it says right here, in the book of Psalms, I got the other two from the book of Psalms, might as well keep it up. It says right there that this is who it's supposed to be. It doesn't say that anywhere, does it? He was using divine common sense. There's a big difference between divine common sense and our common sense. He was trying his best to say, God, I see in your word that this is what it says. God, you're calling us to be a witness. You want another person to take this spot according to what I'm reading in scripture. I'm trying my best to figure that out. And so divine common sense would tell me then, Something about your way of doing things. Jesus, the way you had us in these moments coming and and observing you, and Peter could specifically say that because Peter, James, and John had more observations than the rest of them them even. But he says, man, look, God has called these 11 to this. Now this 12th guy, he's got to be a guy that's witnessed it all because what is he being called to do? Go out and be a witness. How are you going to be a witness of what you haven't known yourself? It's one of the things that always shocks me. I've had people be like, you know, I'm not really big on the Jesus thing, and I'm not really cool on the God thing, but I really, really, really want to do some outreach, and so can I go on this mission trip? And I'm like, if you don't know Jesus, like, you're going to be a little jacked in the way you go about things. I mean, sure, come along, but you're not going to be of any value to anybody until you know Jesus, because who are you witnessing to? What's your purpose there? Does that make sense? And so he's using divine common sense and saying, listen, We've got to pick somebody that's been here from the beginning and has been faithful to walk all the way through with us. And that left them down to two men out of the 120. It left them down to two guys that had done this. 
So Peter was able to deduce all of these things by just thinking through and saying, God, this is what you've called us to. We are called to be martyrs, martus, witnesses. Who's a person that can go witness and do it from here because he's got it? He knows it and he believes it. And so these two people, and I need you to hear this, neither of them was any less qualified than the other. Neither of them. So what did they do first? I need you to hear this. They prayed. Verse 24, and they prayed. They got some wisdom from the word, some guidance. They didn't know how this was all supposed to look, and so they tried their best. Peter was like, I It kind of makes sense to me that if it's going to be a witness, it's got to be somebody that's been here. So who do we got that's done that? These two guys, okay, you're both qualified. You've both been here from the beginning. You know, they weren't like sitting there and being like, well, you're six foot two and you're five foot one. I don't know. You have a better voice and you stutter. You're out. No, none of that mattered. It had nothing to do with any of that. They gave the qualifications to men qualified. Now, what did they do to do that, to figure this out? They cast lots. The cast lots. Does that sound like gambling to some of y'all? It actually wasn't flipping a coin. And it also wasn't pitching dice, right? This wasn't like 7-Eleven. Wow! Right? They did it a couple different ways. The main way was that they would put stones and either write their name or write a letter on the, from their name on a stone and put it in a bag and like shake it all up and whatever stone came out first, that was it on their lap. Sometimes, more modern-day version of it is draw straws, right? And that's something they did back then, too. But they would do all sorts of different things to try to figure out what is the way that God wants us to go. It was something that was commonly used to figure out God's will in a situation. Now, I need you to hear this. Keep in mind, what isn't on the scene yet? The Holy Spirit. (laughs) Do you understand? This wasn't something that was just being done willy-nilly, like, well, let's just gamble with it and figure it out. No, they were like, look, this is what we've got. We don't know which way God wants us to go. You're both equally qualified. We can't have 13. We need 12. That's what God had set up. That's what we seem to see scripturally. And so we got to pick one, and we have no idea which one to pick, and this isn't a popularity contest. And so they're like, yeah, we're just going to do this. We're going to cast lots. And the lot fell to Matthias. You guys flip over with me to Proverbs chapter 16, just so you understand that this wasn't some weird, wacky thing that they started doing in the moment where they're like, oh man, these guys, what sinners? I can't believe they just did this. No. Proverbs chapter 16, the very last, the very last verse, chapter, um, sorry, verse 33 in chapter 16 of Proverbs says this, it says the lot is cast into the lap but it's every decision is from the Lord. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. David Guzik, a guy that I have a lot of respect for, he made this comment that I think is, it's awesome and true and needs to be said. It's this. The casting of lots may be an imperfect way to discern God's will. (laughs) Hear this but it is much better than the methods many Christians use today. That is to rely on emotions, to rely on circumstances or feelings or carnal desires and so forth. I think we have become so smart 
And sometimes I feel like, man, God is beyond us. And I've said this, and I actually was talking to the worship team this morning. We were talking about this. They're like, well, people don't really cast lots today. I'm like, yeah, actually, I think they do. My wife and I have made some pretty massive marital decisions based on rocks, paper, scissors. (laughs) I'm actually not kidding. We have. We've made some pretty major decisions, like car buying and things like that. We're like, "Mm, you win. Okay, we're not going to do it. She always goes with rock first. Paper, got you. Woo! No, I'm kidding. Why do we do that? Because I don't want my decision to be based on anything other than what God wants. And yeah, on a level, I'm not kidding. And maybe you guys might think that this is wrong, or maybe you think it's irresponsible or whatever, but I actually trust that God is going to bring it out the way he wants, and so I put it before him. We do, when we're in disagreement on something, and when it's not one of those things where the Holy Spirit is really strongly put on my heart as the husband of this family that say, no, this is really the way God is leading us. When it's not like that, which there are a lot of things that aren't that way, that I'm like, either way is probably fine. I have no idea. We play rocks, paper, scissors. Not only is it fun, (laughs) but nobody's mad. For real, try it. Try it on something easy. Where do you want to eat? I don't care. Mickey D's. Just kidding. That's gross. You guys, the lot fell to Matthias. Here's the truth. We don't know much more about Matthias, do we? This is pretty much the only mention of Matthias we get. We'll get to heaven and we'll be like, dude, you were like a nobody. How was your five minutes of fame, brother? You guys, can I say something? And this is something I need you to hear. This has been used as a way to argue that Matthias was not the right choice because many scholars and many people believe that Paul was actually meant to fill that spot. I need you to hear this. I believe that. For years, I've believed that. Do you know why I don't believe it now? This wasn't something Peter came to lightly. Peter prayed through this. Peter read the word. Peter did everything he could to say, God, what is your will here? I have no idea what to do here, but I really strongly believe this. And notice none of the 120 were like, Peter, you're wrong. And we know that they were not afraid to do that. So this isn't guys who are just like, okay, Pete, you do what you want. No, they were all in agreement. They were still in one accord. And so I was even talking to my brother Steve like, what, two weeks ago about this. And I was like, man, I'm going to teach the message this way. And I'm going to talk about how Paul was actually the one. And they totally missed the boat. And then God was like, no, you're not. And then I was reading this separate because of the way that the message worked out last week. And I'm like, dude, that's why you wanted me to do this, because I'm wrong. Let's not hold our tradition or our learning or our stuff so tightly that we're not willing to say, God, you can correct me. Please correct me. I want to know your word more cleanly. Just because we don't know much about Matthias doesn't mean that God didn't use him. Just because we didn't hear much about what God did in his life doesn't mean that God didn't do anything. Matter of fact, you guys, in the rest of this book, we're not going to hear much about any of the disciples except Peter and John. And the the second half of the book, Paul like totally steals it, along with the most of the New Testament, that guy. Does that mean that Simon the Zealot and the remaining disciples just fell off the earth and didn't do anything after this? No. Obviously. They did exactly what Jesus told them to do. Go to the ends of the earth and make my name known. Do you understand? So here's Matthias being chosen. And so here's what I want to get at today, you guys. Here's the truth. Truth is that we can trust God to do good through those that love him, right? Romans 8.28. And we know 
that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So today, I want us to think about all that we've read. What questions, you guys, do you have in your life right now that you're putting before the Lord and waiting for an answer on? I bet a lot of us have them. First off, you should never give up and stop praying. Keep seeking him. Don't stop until you got an answer. And God's word is always the first place to go for the answer. So often, it's where I find the answer. But what about those things that aren't specifically spelled out in Scripture? Think about that. There's a lot of that stuff, isn't there? How long, God, should I be on Facebook? Show me. (laughs) Thou shalt hate Mark Zuckerberg. No. (laughs) Nothing in there about it. Nothing in there about social media. Does it mean that God might want to do something in your heart in there? Yeah. Might he use his word to answer that question? Yes. What if he doesn't, you guys? The reality is, is this. If you're a believer and you believe all that Christ did to accomplish eternal life in your life, that you've accepted that he did all the work, that it's done, you have the Holy Spirit residing inside of you. You have literally your guide, your counselor inside of you. We can ask the Holy Spirit, God, give me. Holy Spirit, pour into me divine common sense. Help me. Help me to walk this out. Help me to bring honor and glory to your name. I'm telling you this. If this is your heart and you guys are aiming to do that, not being carnal in your thought, not being like, well, this is my decision because, I mean, it makes more sense this way, and, I mean, it's going to make me more money, and it's going to do this. this." If that's your thought, well, then you're not trying to bring honor to God. You're trying to bring honor to yourself. So you got to know your own heart enough. And a lot of us do that. Come on, y'all. If your heart is genuinely to bring honor and glory to God, then ask the Holy Spirit for divine common sense and do it. Step out in it. And when you do, know this. You're going to have to trust that God is going to work it together for good. You're going to have to. So as we prepare today for communion, I want us to hear this. When you do things like that, when you do things that aren't necessarily spelled out. Can I tell you that there's nowhere in Scripture specifically that I've ever found that said specifically that the Smileys were going to leave Idaho and lose a ton of money on their house and, and have you know, family members that were threatening to disown them and call them stupid and idiotic and the most horrible husband and parent in the world? Did, did you know that's not in Scripture? If you find it, show me. But I did it because the divine common sense that the God put in me was that very much so. I need to do this. We need to do this. And so we did it. And there were tons of people that were not happy about that. Can I just encourage you guys? We still debate today of whether Peter did the right thing or the wrong thing. Guess who cares? Nobody. At the end of the day, Peter's not up in heaven being like, oh man, chewing his nails, right? No, he's in heaven being like, man, God, that's awesome. And when we get to heaven, we're going to be like, man, God, thank you that you did good in my crazy, stupid life and my crazy, stupid decisions. And Father, I pray that they were done, hopefully, Lord willing, after I knew you in a way that was meant to honor and glorify your name. And we just do it. Do you understand? So today, we're taking communion, and there's not going to be any singing. I want to do something a little different. 
<laughs> you ready? I want to have everybody grab hands. Grab hands, even across the aisles. Come on, y'all. If you're at home and you're watching and you're not alone, grab somebody's hand. If you are alone, grab your own hand. I'm going to pray this for us as a church, you guys. We keep talking about the Holy Spirit. We keep talking about all that God wants to do. I'm asking God that he would fill us, that he would fall fresh on us. That the Holy Spirit would just pour into us divine common sense to help us understand. And finally, to fill us with boldness and courage to walk in the calling that God has for your life. And so would you guys just agree in prayer with me? Lord, we're here today. Asking, Holy Spirit, guide us. Lord, there are so many questions that we maybe, Lord, so many here maybe that just don't have clear answers from your word specifically about what way to go. Father, I pray that if the answer is wait, God, that you would help them to just keep waiting. But Lord, also that in the waiting, God, that they would be busy about digging into your word and seeking your face more and more. Lord, that you would pour fresh Holy Spirit into our lives, into an overflowing state. God, we're going to read through all throughout this, Lord, that this is something that you invite us into every day. This is not a one-time thing. And Lord, we leak so much. So God, I pray over all of us, this church body, and I ask, Lord, would you fill us up? God, would you give us a boldness and a courage to step out into the calling that you have for each life here? God, would you give us divine wisdom that can only come from you, Holy Spirit, that is beyond our reasoning, beyond our understanding? God, have your way in us. Move in us. God, I pray now as we prepare our hearts for communion, God, that you would just work in each heart. Lord, that if those questions are there in each heart, God, that they would just bring them before you. And, and Holy Spirit, I'm asking, would you answer them right now? God, your timing is perfect. So whenever you choose to answer is absolutely the perfect time. You are never ahead or behind. But Lord, I'm, I'm asking you, we're asking you, God, would you bring answers today? Would you give divine, supernatural, common sense to these things? Lord, would you enlighten your word? Would you open it up even in our minds, Lord, things that we've read? God, would you move in a very special and amazing and meaningful way today, God? Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Awaken Great Bay in Dover, New Hampshire. We're so glad you found us. If you want to learn more about our church or need prayer for something in your life, connect with us at awakengreatbay.com.